Hey everyone, how's it going out there? I'm excited to share with you part one of my epic chat with none other than the legendary iconic BB Buell. But before we get into that, I want to tell you, of course, about patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. But I also want to tell you about Twitch, which you already know about. So I'm going to tell you about twitch.tv slash Craig and Friends. That's right. There was a Thanksgiving live stream I did as sort of a tester, kind of did it under the radar a little bit just to get the kinks worked out because you always get to get the kinks worked out, don't you? And uh, it was a lot of fun, and there's going to be a lot more, including the David Bowie Holiday Extravaganza, or rather, the Videodrome Discotheque David Bowie Holiday Extravaganza. Many of you listening have been to the Bowie parties that I've thrown in the past in person. Now is a way for all of us to enjoy online together when we have to be alone or separate. I don't know if you're under lockdown. LA is back under lockdown. Since that's the case, look for Live from Lockdown on Twitch and YouTube. Yes, check my socials every week and I'm going to be announcing maybe a day ahead of time when I'm going to be sitting there doing a Live from Lockdown. Then you can join and chat in the chat box or do the things that you do on Twitch. But you know what those are because you know why? You're a sophisticated crowd. So sophisticated of a crowd, in fact, that right now you're heading on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends and checking out the reward tiers, selecting which one works best for you signing up and supporting the show yes that's right now there's even more excitement because there is a new feature to movie club and that is live watch starting this saturday december 5th at 2 p.m hollywood time with the david bowie jim henson classic labyrinth and for labyrinth i'm taping a very special movie club this upcoming tuesday with james st james jake shears and crystal so you have time to hop in there now get your questions and comments in for that movie club and also Get ready to watch the film with all of us. And you can join Hot Dog Club for movies every Saturday this month. Also, a hot bonus episode from The Vault from my stay in San Francisco with Cherry and Sophie coming very soon this month, along with an episode I just taped with our friend Maddie and a chat with Remy Kesemir. And for anyone who wants to enjoy the live watch with all of us but does not want to get to the movie club tier, this movie club and the rest of this month are available to the $5 tier. So head on over there now, sign up, and slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club. Okay, now that that's all taken care of, it's time to hear part one of my chat in Nashville with B.B. Buell, which was taped at the worst Airbnb I've ever stayed in. Well, one of the worst, anyway. I- I've only stayed in a couple real stinkers. This was one of them. There was no fridge. Uh, you'll hear more about that in the episode in part two as well. But that's what we're talking about with the ghost and the kitchen and the electricity and so on. Oh, and the theme song's coming, but I just didn't want to wait any longer on this episode. I mean, it's been over a year and a half, right? Anyway, happy holidays, everybody, as best as we can make them. And here's the show. Dear listeners around the world, on this episode of Whimsically Volatile, I'm thrilled to present to you a legendary model, mother, singer, tastemaker, muse, manager, survivor, and thriver. That's right, I am speaking of none other than the one, the only, the magnificent B.B. Buell. Welcome, B.B. Well, what an introduction. <laughs> well, I couldn't do anything uh, smaller than that for you. I mean, a, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, Thank you. Yeah, and, and with us, a special guest co-host, Katie Banyer. Hello. Hi, Miss Katie. I think I've got more descriptions than Cher has last names at this point. I love that. Right. right. Um, I used to love that about her. Oh, right. Her last name thing. What, what anyway. are they again? It's, uh, it was so Cher. Sar- it's, I'm trying to remember what. Sarcastic. Her, is that right? Her name, which yeah. we'll not even try to say anymore. Right. No, there's no point. And then she yeah. became a Bono. Right. And then she became an Almond. <laughs> right. And then she became. What was her next oh, husband? Um, 
Was there another husband? Was, no, I don't think so. Because she was with that Rob guy that was uh, right. in the papers. And the everything. bagel boy they bagel call. Boy, poor guy. Right. Bagel what boy. a terrible thing to call somebody. <laughs> I know. Even though bagels are delicious. Maybe yeah. he was gluten-free, though. So. Oh, that's <laughs> good. And of course, and we're also gen- joined by Jimmy Wallerstein. I'd say hello, Our Jimmy, Jimmy Walls, we call oh, him. Oh, forgive me. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Hey, okay, don't, good. Don't need to bleep All that, is that. forgiven, oh, darling. Thank you. Thank we you, just, darling. They yeah. used to call him Jim, Jim Walters when he was in Don, Das Dahmen. But back to Cher. I love oh, yeah. her. I worship her. And I'm imagining you've met her because you seem to have you've well, met you know, everyone. I really haven't met her to the degree I would have liked mm-hmm. to have met her. My friend Michael Schmidt is really good friends with her. We did a uh, taped a show with Michael, actually. Well, Michael is my hero. We met in the early 80s in New York mm-hmm. when he first came to town and he was a goth boy. Oh, right. That's right. And he was with Raphael, you mm-hmm. know, the famous Mary Raphael sure. from the Cycle Sluts from Hell. Mm-hmm. And he came over to me and asked me, he said, are you BB and BB Buell? And I said, I said, maybe. And he said, oh, <laughs> and, and we just had a moment and yeah. I, we bonded and he's been one of my lifelong friends ever since. He's a wonderful guy. Oh, the best. And, and so amazing what he's done. The he's work, so yeah. unique. I've never, uh, I think his eye and his vision is so unique. That, right. Uh, he's a one of a kind. Yeah. And the, um, Club Squeeze Box was oh, right, which was at Don Hills, and that was uh, just a magical time. Some for everyone, of the highlights of my life were singing at Squeeze Box, mm-hmm. and with the Squeeze Box band that became my band, oh, and yeah. that I took on tour. Oh right, and yeah. David Matos and became my guitar player, and I, I you know, I just Squeeze Box healed me because in '98 mm-hmm. I went through an incredible, devastating, horrible divorce with the shapeshifter uh-huh. yeah. and um, <laughs> and uh, we'll leave it at that yeah sure and yeah. um <laughs> and, and i called up don hill and i said you know i had been managing not just my daughter but the shapeshifter for right. several years sure. and i i was hankering to get back on stage i, I was just feeling like I had lost myself a little. Uh-huh, sure. And I called up Don Hill and I said, save me. I've got to get back. You know, everybody left in the nest lived, had finally left home mm-hmm. in 97. Um, and the thing with four heads <laughs> moved to another coast. <laughs> and um, so I was looking to find my spirit again. Sure, you know? yeah. I thought I was going to continue in management. But then I realized that although I had the skill and, yeah. the, and the connections, that I didn't have the soul for it. Okay, now, what kind of soul does it take to be a uh, manager? You have to be a little more ruthless than I'm capable of. I'm too much of an artist. Right, sure. And also, you know, it seems like throughout your life, you put a lot of energy into other people's I did. efforts when, you know, you had your own thing to but say. But on the side, I was always doing my own thing. This sure. is what people don't understand. Half the people that have come into my life have come into my life because they sought me out. Sure. And... I don't know if it's an energy thing or yeah. why people like certain energies in their life mm-hmm. when they're creative. Right. But um, I, I feel this has been going on throughout history. Right. I think, you know, it's not just women. I think the friendships between people like Oscar Wilde and Lily Langtree. Yeah. People don't realize they weren't. No, they weren't lovers. He was gay, even though he was married. And she was a very famous, legendary muse or courtesan or mm-hmm. professional beauty as they used to call her but she would say things to him in her parlor that he would turn around and turn into a story or a poem right and and who knows that only people that really dig sure so 
you get used to having a certain place in the life of creative people. But when you have your own creative energy, that in my case, I, I was doing art and drawing mm-hmm. and singing and doing all that stuff from a very young age. Right. You note in your book that you were you would keep song lyrics. You would in your yes, journal and that all became songs eventually. Yeah. And well, Patti Smith was the first person to encourage my poetry. Mm-hmm. And which, I mean, you can't get a much better person than that. <laughs> no, True. you can't. No. My <laughs> first poem I showed her was this stupid poem I wrote, called, and it just said, you needle, you pen, you prick. It was just three lines. Yeah. And I showed it to her, and she said, do you know how good that is? And I said, no. Is it, <laughs> is it good? She said, it's really good. Keep writing. Yeah. And when did you meet Patty? In 1972. Was that at Max's that you met her? No, or, I no? didn't meet Patty at Max's. I met Patty because I was living with Todd Rundgren at that point, and he had dated her. Right. And oh, wow. she, and, and she meant a lot to him, and her opinion meant sure. a lot to him. So he sort of wanted us to meet. Yeah. And um, I don't think she expected it, or he expected it, or I expected for us to hit it off so well. Right. At first, I was a little bit jealous of their relationship because he would be very canoodly with her and stuff. And, <laughs> and I had never met a woman that looked like Keith Richards before. Right. So I was yeah. I was a little intimidated. <laughs> and, and then she said to me, Bibi, you look like all the great beauties like, you know, Nico and Anita Pallenberg and Marianne. She said, you have that same thing, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I was like, really? I'm very enamored. And sure. of course, hung on every word that came out of her mouth yeah. because... I just thought she was a fascinating person, and she hadn't yet become a singer. Right. She was a poet at this point, and then suddenly she and Lenny Kay started to do those shows with right. Lenny on guitar, going, <laughs> you know, making all these, and Patty going, <laughs> you know, her her unique way of, of sure. reciting poetry. It was like preaching. It was, and yeah. she would even move like a preacher, a little yeah. bit of that mm. rhythm, a little... Mm, mm, had had mm. she already, by that time, was she already with Alan Lanier? Is yes, that how it's when I met her, cult? she was with Alan Lanier. Actually, and Katie's wearing a blue oyster kelp yes. shirt, actually, so it's Yes, they were both. a couple. Full circle. Yes, exactly. And they had that loft on 23rd Street. Mm-hmm. So I would just start going over there i mean this was before cell phones and emails and stuff and right. patty didn't like to answer her phone very much uh-huh. and i mean i had a lot of friends like that that just didn't answer their phone <laughs> and in those days if you don't want to talk to people you just took your phone off the hook stuck right. it under a pillow when it went rear 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 to tell you that it was off the hook yeah and and that was that people would have to you know they would have to come to your house if they sure so i would just show up at patty's loft because i wanted to hang out with her i wanted yeah. to suck everything i could learn from her because mm-hmm. she had so much vision and yeah. and um so i would just descend upon her and some of the best times of my life were with her in that loft i am not kidding one of the passages in your book that i found really touching was the two of you at her loft singing in the hairbrushes because mm-hmm. the both of you wanted to sing i think at that point she so she had written stuff for boys to call too like she'd written she lyrics. was already a little bit ahead of me in in this and having the opportunities to have that kind of see she was known as an artist and okay, it, it didn't yeah. matter that she had dated all these famous guys yeah her persona of being an artist first took care of her being um tagged as their girlfriend or whatever. Right. See, I did it the opposite way. I was somebody's girlfriend first and mm-hmm. be- very visibly in New York. Sure. And yeah. became like this rock royal couple right. right out of the gate. So any artistic 
uh, leanings that I had were instantly overshadowed sure. immediately yeah, by right. sexism and by what we used to have to face back then. One of the things that is really like the theme that really runs through your book is the double standard and the misogyny that it's is so incredible. rampant. And it's, I mean, it's still around, but especially then, so uh, when, in particular for around the time when you were seeing Rod Stewart, you know, it was like naughty BB, but like oh, Rod yeah. was just considered Leggy a, BB. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you seductress, you, you know, I'm just yeah. like, please, I was a, a, a kid. Yeah. But the guys were celebrated for being rascals, rascals at the same time. And, and the, the, the myth about me and that the, the, the funniest thing is that i'm not really the greatest you know sexual expert or i i you know i i'm not somebody that's known for that i'm some I don't, gymnastic that's uh, not yeah. going to be on my tombstone let's put it that way <laughs> and um I, I i i have never started a relationship based on sex if, yeah. if that makes any sense sure it does yeah. because you would connect with the, these musicians because you had similar interests but, and... but also i was young and i was in a romantic and yeah. I, I was in love and i wanted to be in love i wanted the fairy tale so i think that's what stalled my progress a mm -hmm. little bit sure Girls like Patty and Madonna, they were ruthless when it came to themselves. Mm -hmm. The men were their ornament. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And and their stepping stones. Yeah. And although I'm not saying that Patty didn't genuinely love them, Oh, certainly. You know, yeah. But she had an ambition. Mm -hmm. And the only time I saw her throw that away was when she met Fred and went off to Detroit to raise two of the most beautiful children ever. Her children are Two of the most beautiful human beings, mm -hmm. Jackson and Paris. You were the first person outside of Todd to know that she was going to be retiring for a while, right? Well, I was. I just happened to be there yeah. when I overheard the conversation about this being her last album. Mm -hmm. Which must have been kind of shocking. I mean, well, for a kid like me, well, it, sure. it was like, what? Like, no, no, don't I mean, do that yeah. yet, please. <laughs> I... I uh, but what I find most interesting about the era is that some of the guys, the behaviors that they went, you know, exhibited part or, or participated sure. in, let's put it that way, will be kind. <laughs> <laughs> they would be in jail now. They would be arrested. 100%. They would be hauled off. Sure. Like, for instance, consorting with Lori Maddox when she was, what, 14, 15? Yeah, even though she was extremely smart. Uh, worldly. I mm -hmm. mean, I met Lori when she was maybe 16. Yeah. At 15 or 16. And mm -hmm. I, I liked her. Yeah. She was so much fun. Yeah. I remember my friend Danny Hutton from Three Dog Night was on tour and I was coming to LA. He let me stay at his house. He said, here's the keys. Call my road manager if you need anything. I, yeah. ar I arrived at his house and it was stocked full of food. Had this big pool table. And so Lori said, can I come hang out? And she came over and it was just us. Yeah. And um, I was all of uh, 20 myself. Mm -hmm. And I just remember her lying across the pool table and inventing this pool game that I had to shoot the balls around her or, <laughs> or, or I couldn't, it wasn't fair. And I have never laughed so hard in my life. Yeah. She was enchanting. And then she went in the kitchen and cooked like a six course meal. Wow. I mean, like, from scratch. Yeah. And at what age again? Like 15 or 16. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a mature person. Yeah. So I don't, th I just think times were different. I'm not saying that it's okay to have sex with children. Because yeah, right. it's not. Right. 
But at that time, our minds were not conditioned to think that way. Everyone had a different sense of things. Well, I mean, Elvis Presley had been with Priscilla since she was 14. Right. You had Jerry Lee Lewis. You had Jimmy Page. You had these guys that were known for their their liking young girls. Sure. So when Jimmy ran off with me and sort of left Lori in the lurch, I, I even though it was only 20, was yeah. considered an older woman. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think that's a like societal thing as well? With like, yes. Because, I mean... I up until quite recently, if you were 18 and not already out of the house and engaged and playing oh, kids, then I know. And even if you went to college when we were young, you left home. You, yeah, nobody right. stuck to the nest. I mean, everybody yeah. couldn't wait to get out. Yeah, it's sure. a little different now. You now. can't get kids out of the house, they stay yeah. home till they're 40, <laughs> right? And yeah, it's great. And they're all entitled and they get mm-hmm. to be on their parents' insurance till they're 26. Yeah, yeah there's a lot Good of differences. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Katie, what? Oh, just there's a lot of differences. Now. There are a lot yeah. of differences. It's, yeah. it's insane. And and um, women, we, we always had to bury, carry the burden and bury <laughs> a little Freudian slip. The, bur- the burden of being, you know, being described by what we had done or who we had dated. Yeah. So the first thing you did is really what you were known for. Sure. So, like, if you're Miss America in 1973, you're going to be Miss America for the rest of your life, even if you go off and win an Oscar and a Grammy. That's right. a great point. Yeah, I can think of, like, Vanessa Williams. Yes. Yeah. It's just forever. It's like a yeah. brand on your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so I think it started confusing people because I was known, you know, for dating cool guys and... And, um, and you're modeling know, and as well. Modeling. Yeah. And then when I did Playboy, which was supposed to be... A liberating, defiant move, uh-huh. which just escalated the sexism and made rock boys think when they met me, oh, I must be something else, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that it, it, I would ooze whatever that was that they say I was oozing uh, <laughs> when, when the camera would get on me. Sure. It, it was like just, it was art to me. Right. It's part of the package of When you do something. a photo shoot for a magazine like Playboy, it's very clinical. It's, it's yeah. a job. Nobody's yeah. there going, ooh, sexy. Yeah, right. You know, there's not there's, a hot vibe in the yeah, room. There's yeah. hair, there's makeup, <laughs> there's unbelievable poses that yeah. leave you crippled for a month <laughs> after, you get out of the, after you get out of the shoot. Yeah. And when you do the centerfold, they use, they used to use those old fashioned cameras. Oh, okay, the, yeah. The you know, the ones you have to put the slide the thing in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, they did. This is how they used to do the gatefolds. They don't right. do them like that anymore. Sure. No. But and and magazines still had staples in them. But you would had to you had to hold your pose, and sometimes mm-hmm. it would make you twist and whoa. yeah. And it, it was unbelievable. You could not move an inch when that camera was on you for the for the gatefold yeah makes sense. and you'd be there for hours and hours and hours hours and yeah trust me nobody cared about your naughty bits and nobody cared about anything but the light yeah, right. and the shot yeah that's why playboy looked like it did right and that's why the other ones didn't look like playboy right and you had sort of a weird meeting with uh guccione right yeah well that was because the person that had photographed me was shopping these photos and i made it very clear to her right out of the gate i only wanted to 
work with Playboy if, in fact, we were going to go that direction. Right. I'm so, sorry, I should add for the listeners who don't know, Bob Guccione was the creator, uh, of publisher Penthouse. of Penthouse. Yeah. And so she, she talked me into meeting with him just to hear out his offer. Yeah. And, and I just remember going to meet him, and the first thing he told me to do is drop trout. <laughs> right. You know, he wanted to see if I had any scars or anything. Because you couldn't tell from the photos. I'm like... I have no scars, and I'm not dropping my trowel in the middle of the room for you. And he said, well, that's one of the requirements. And I said, really? <laughs> I said, well, I guess that isn't going to be me. And then I turned around, and I was walking out the door. I dropped my pants <laughs> and pulled them up again. And, and, of course, he thought that was charming and hilarious, but yeah. I just didn't. <laughs> but but I didn't, you know, I, I was not interested in that publication yeah. for what I was trying to accomplish. It was Patty who said Bridget Bardot and Jane Barkin and Jane Mansfield and Marilyn yeah. Monroe. She was name, listing off all the Ursula Andrews. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Linda Evans. Oh, all, sure. you know, all the great beauties that had Betty Page that had done Playboy. Right. So my brain was more into that ilk. Yeah, and sure. They were all, I mean, they were all artists. They all were known True. for other things than just Playboy. So well, it would make you know, sense for that's you. That's what I mean. If a man takes his clothes off and uh, he's dangerous, he's... Burt Reynolds was celebrated for yeah, you know yeah, being yeah, so exactly. wild, yeah. And and there you go; it does nothing to their reputation or their persona, except or, enhance it. Yeah, in some ways, um, unless you're you know one of those guys that never did anything but pose for Playgirl, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, some uh, Kato Kalen type, <laughs> but but with women, it's different. And then they start to call you. Then you get all the names. Yeah, and there's all the. The things that they have to hang off women. Right. That I've always fought because I just know you're going to call me a name because I dated a cool guy. Right. Why don't you compliment me on my taste like you did the guy? Uh, yeah, you, right. You, you, exactly. Again, the double standard. That's a good and point. so, and yeah. what, what were some of the names of a groupie, right? Would yes, be the well, I, I still try not to say the word, not because I. I can hate, bleep it. That's always fun. Not because <laughs> I. No, it's fine. We're saying it. We're going to deal with the G word. Uh, not because I hate the word, or, yeah. because the first time I ever heard the word, I was still in high school, and I heard it connected to the GTOs mm. and the girls from California. And so for those who don't know, uh, Frank Zappa produced this terrific group, Girls Together Outrageously, which featured right. uh, Pamela DeBar, Miss Christine, yeah. right, and Miss Marlene? My, no, my favorite's Mercy. Miss Mercy, mm, of yeah. course, yeah. Mercy was my favorite. And Miss Christine, who also dated Todd. Right. So it went like this. Todd dated Miss Christine, then yeah. Patty, yeah. and then this girl Marlene that broke his heart. But that was brief. The one the song's about. Yes. And then me. So Patty, Patty was really, um, you know, before me in a way because the Marlene thing, he was pretty wounded mm -hmm. by the time I met him. And he was only 23. So oh, you can imagine. Gosh. Yeah, sure. You know, his heart had already been beaten to a pulp and I was 18. So, um, but, but it, it, it has been difficult because I don't, well, I don't like what happened to the word. Mm -hmm. People started to look at it as meaning that you went backstage and you had sex with boys backstage or sure. you only wanted to date a boy because he was a rock guy. Yeah. Are you kidding? Do you know how many of these guys I've told, piss off, go away, I'm not <laughs> dating you. I don't care how rich you are. I don't sure. care how successful you are. 
I always followed my heart. Yeah. I can genuinely say that every man I ever dated, even the shapeshifter, <laughs> uh, there was a moment yeah. of true trueness and an authenticity. Right. But sometimes I would get myself into situations that I would have to get myself out of, eject. Okay, yeah. Because of drinking or drugs or abusive behavior, which yeah. I've always very kindly kept confidential. Not that I don't support the Me Too movement, but I don't need to tell my stories to have healed. Okay, yeah. I have a beautiful husband of 20 years sitting right here yes. that has helped me heal. And, oh, that's, and, that's and, lovely, and, yeah. And he's my soulmate, and he's the person that has been with me through thick and thin. Right. And when did you two meet again? In 20, 99. 99, right. Mm -hmm. That's right, 20 years ago. That should yeah. do the math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very good friends with my daughter's father. Mm -hmm. So to me, my two most important male relationships are what they should be. The father of my child right. and my husband. And so everyone has a different path with healing from things like that. That's Some people right. at public um, addressing it helps them, but others it. not. Yeah. And sometimes I think people like Rose McGowan, who have very powerful messages, they get involved in the urgency of what they're trying to say to the point where people start to turn on them and i watched the public beat that poor woman up right and i've known rose since the beginning and mm -hmm. she's a beautiful person she's a beautiful girl she was almost in empire records do you oh, know really the, oh, wow. the, the robin tunney part oh that makes total sense i can I see could that see it yeah 100%. the robin tunney part of deb yeah yes. she shaves her head it was yeah. between robin and rose and rose was getting ready to do a tv thing so she could not shave her head oh yeah Robin was like, I'll shave my head. <laughs> so that is really the only thing that kept her out of the, was yeah. And I love, and I loved her in those Greg Araki films. Oh yeah. Doomed in a generation. Oh yeah. And we would run into, when Liv went to uh, Sundance for her first film, Heavy, mm -hmm. we hung out with Rose and I watched this, this beautiful, beautiful girl spirit just become devoured by people's cruelty yeah it broke my heart yeah and then she started dating marilyn manson as you know sure and she would do things that she thought would you know put put the fist up the butt of of uh authority i understand that well like but going to uh the grammys in a naked yeah. that, <laughs> it, that was a love it's a bit extreme yeah. but i can understand her wanting to make a statement like yeah, that. yeah sure I think it's very cruel and unkind when the gang mentality. Look what right. they did to Stormy Daniels. Sure. Certainly. I believe her. Of course. Mm -hmm. Don't do you? Too. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. But, but a bunch of frustrated housewives in middle America hate her yeah. because maybe her, their husbands are doing the same thing. So instead of allowing a voice and listening to the stories yeah. and just putting it into your bag of, of knowledge, yeah. people would rather shame and destroy. Right. And I think that leads to, um, you know, destructive behavior. Sure. And I have never allowed that. I've never allowed myself to sink into drug addiction. I just keep fighting back by just keep doing what I do. Sure. That's my way to fight. Right. Really? That's what you think I am? Well, watch this. Come see me live, and I promise you, you will go home without a face.
Just <laughs> yeah, I was missing mine for a while. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad it's back. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I was worried, but you know, like, yeah. I, I figured. <laughs> yes, we don't need our faces. No, no, no exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> it's too hot for a face yeah. out of Nashville right, right exactly. now. Yeah, yeah, it's a so, new look. Yeah, so we, uh, Katie and I, went to see you play with at the Rock and Roll Residency mm-hmm. at uh, what's the venue? Is it Mercy? Is that Mercy right? Lounge? Mercy Lounge. It was One fabulous. of our favorite rooms. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, and you did a fabulous rendition of uh, uh, what was the first song actually? Hey, little girl. Hey, little girl. Mm-hmm. And then followed it up with a storming rendition of I Want to Be Your Dog by, of course, the fabulous Iggy well, Pop, who you once puked on. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> yes. Well, because he Kissed gave you. Kissed and puked. Well, well, right. Well, because, I mean, he gave you something you maybe shouldn't have given oh, you. Yes. So, you I know. mean, that story is pretty well, Doc. You can go to pleasekillme.com, everybody, and yeah. read my fabulous story about Iggy Pop. It's a beautiful tribute to Well, uh, I to love Iggy. the man. You know, yeah. I mean, listen, we're not, none of us are perfect, including Iggy Pop, and I'm sure he's had his share of underage girls too but um one, one would hope right but, but the thing is is what what i judge a man by is how do you grow how yeah. do you change mm-hmm. look at the man he's become go oh, absolutely that's a yeah. good point yeah let's yeah. face it he could have gone a, a couple different bad ways he could have and he met this amazing woman nina and he's married and he has a beautiful wife he has a bird that is the coolest <laughs> bird on earth and he's just Everything, when you make your mistakes, you're supposed to become a better person. Yeah. And that's what he did. I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about, too, because a lot of times people get hung up on their mistakes and beat themselves up. Ugh. And I think uh, well, an important thing I like to get across in the show a lot of times is that everyone makes mistakes or finds themselves falling on hard times. It's about mm-hmm. how you handle it and how you move forward. And how you accept it, because... Every mistake we make is our destiny. We are meant to make the mistake as maybe in a past life. Yeah. We had to work on this issue. I believe in the complexity of why we're on earth. Sure. So I think that every road, every twist, every turn, every mistake is your destiny, right. your your soul's journey. Therefore, it's going to lead you to wherever you're going to go. This is where people trip themselves up is by hanging on to anger, yeah. hanging on to animosity, allowing things that maybe happened 20, 30, 40 years ago to still permeate their lives sure. and toxic. Yeah. And I find I've watched so many of my friends get brain tumors, get cancer, uh-huh. and get sick not just because of drugs, but because of their hatred. They're still so mad at what's his name for what he did. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, the guy's dead. (laughs) You know, you need need to like get over this. Yeah. He's wherever he is right now telling you the same thing, I'm sure. Yeah. Right. And you're just going to run into him again if he comes back to this planet. Right. Yeah. You're going to run into him again, maybe as your cat. So you better. Get over this. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it doesn't uh, do you any good to no, hold on to that stuff. The toxicity that, you know, and then you get the whole complexity of the emotion of jealousy. Oh, sure. Jealousy causes people to say horrible things about other people, but then you just have to take the source and realize they're talking about themselves. People do often comment on themselves when they're ranting about other people. When you hear them going crazy about that person, they're looking in the mirror. Yeah. So that's how I've learned to live my life because I've had a lot of pain, a lot of rejection, a lot of shame, a lot of judgment, yeah. a lot of cruelty, 
I, you know, I've had people try to rape me. I've had people try to hurt me physically. I, I've been through all that shit. Sure. In your book, you mentioned a couple instances where people have drugged your drink. Oh, yeah. Tried to to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I've, yeah. I, I had somebody actually tried to kill me one wow. day by giving me a drug that they said was something else. And it turned out to be elephant tranquilizer. Well, and if I had died... Everybody would have thought I just OD'd. Yeah. Oh, she must have been a junkie. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Well, you, know, you see who she runs around with. Yeah. That kind of nonsense. Yeah. 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 And I've even had people make up stories about me because they want people to think a certain thing about me. So, yeah. oh man, she had the best drugs or whatever. No, I was never a pharmacy. Yeah. Would I be sitting here at 66 with perfect skin if I were? I mean, <laughs> no. Not. Work. Yeah. No, <laughs> ma'am. Would I, would I go to Katie? <laughs> That's right. So we should, we should uh, tell folks that Katie owns a fabulous brow studio mm-hmm. and is a, a, a genius at what she does. Oh. Yeah. An art, artist. An expert. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. She is yeah. the saver of the brow. <laughs> yeah. Damn good brows. Damn good brows. That's yes. right. What's the website damn good brows oh, okay. damn good brows yeah damn good brows bro <laughs> <laughs> that's the instagram that's the easiest well the instagram yeah. that's how we do everything these days yeah. isn't it and i wanted to talk to you about your mother because i was really touched in your rereading your book i'd, I'd read it a, a couple times but right. uh rereading it for today mm, uh i Oh, um, would you like a tissue? No, 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 I'm fine. Okay, I think it's the ghost. The ghost affects the electricity <laughs> and then the an allergy thing. Yeah, it's a pesky little uh, uh, ne'er do well. So <laughs> yes, I love ne'er do wells. <laughs> well, don't right. You're welcome. That, you're welcome. You're uh, welcome. You just don't cut yourself on the fan. Yeah, exactly. Be very careful there. And there's no kitchen. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was really touched by how much your mother understood you it seemed to to know that you were meant for a different life than maybe the one that would be afforded to you by living in the town i think she was just being practical i'm not sure she proved as much as just loved me blindly right um i think she would have much preferred that i go to school and play back i mean i could have probably gotten a scholarship for basketball i was such a good player i was a great player yeah and i mean if i had been i I, i'm not ashamed to admit that i was kind of a jock you know i loved swimming i loved horseback riding i loved basketball i loved sports i just did and um but i loved rock and roll more yeah so the thing is i just think that we're born the way we are and our spirits are formed. We choose our destinies. We choose our parents. We choose why we come to earth. We meet the people. I knew at 10 years old who I was going to meet. I, yeah. I knew already that who my people were. I, I picked them out in Vogue yeah. and in Teen Beat. And I'm like, okay. And on TV, on yeah. the Ed Sullivan Show. As soon as I saw certain people, I knew them. I don't know how to explain this, but when I look back at it as a 10-year-old, yeah. I would sit in my room and play with my dolls. You know, I still played with dolls a little bit when sure. I was 10. Uh-huh. I still had Barbies. Yeah. I still, and I would pretend like this Barbie was Mick Jagger <laughs> and my Ken doll would be, you know, Alvin Lee from 10 years after. Sure. Cause I thought he looked kind of like Alvin <laughs> Lee. <laughs> That's fair. And, yeah. And I, you know, my dolls were rock stars and models. Yeah. Basically my right. scrapbooks had Jean Shrimpton and Twiggy and Penelope yeah. Tree in them and Nico and yeah. Marianne Faithful and I had this affinity how do you develop affinities like that how did Shirley Temple at three years old know how to do what she did right because her soul is ancient yeah and I just think that we have glimpses that we know who we are 
even though maybe your mother didn't understand some right. of that stuff, she knew enough to be like, okay, well, I'll connect her with a modeling agency. And then you had photos done up and sent to Eileen Ford. And you you know, were... My mother sent her my high school graduation picture. Oh, right. Oh, right. I mean, just a couple of snapshots, but, yeah. but nothing professional. Sure. Uh, we just, she just, ch- wing in a prayer, a chance. Yeah. She just said, I'm going to send this in. We'll see what happens. Well, my mother had modeled, so okay, and yeah. and in the fifties, and and yeah. and had hung around with her share of uh, the, the, some celebrities, and you know had frequented the Cavalier Beach and Cabana Club okay. in Virginia mm-hmm. Beach, sure. and met Frank Sinatra. So, my mom was a little more sophisticated. Sure, I remember um, her two best friends being these two gay guys that were decorators, yeah. and no, none of my other friends even knew what a gay guy was, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, my mother had a sophistication and uh, a worldliness and an insight into fashion and, and beauty and, and diversity you know, and pop culture. Sure. Yeah. And so therefore I think she wanted me to have success. Yeah. I think I broke her heart a little bit when I poo pooed becoming a huge model. I had opportunities to, you know, be much more successful than I, am or was mm-hmm. and um you were basically on the sort of the, the track right like like alien ford really had a oh i mean i i, I could have been a supermodel I yeah mean, to some people i am or was yeah just mm-hmm. because of some of the impacts that i left on the industry yeah i mean some of the moves i did as a model changed things for models forever sure and i also developed a persona that became a sought after a, a, a rebel girl persona yeah. that now almost seems to be the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the models date rock stars now. They all date actors. They all date each other. Sure. They all mm-hmm. pollinate. They all fornicate. They all <laughs> procreate. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. pollinate, <laughs> fornicate, and procreate. <laughs> and, um, it, the, you know, like even doing a daring picture with Steve, like kissing with tongues yeah. in those days. Oh, that was such a scandal. Yeah. Now, you know, you see fashion designers tongue kissing with, uh, you know, their muses and right. this one and that one recreating the same pictures. Right. But when you did Playboy, that was quite a shock. It and was. a lot of people would then wouldn't hire you for certain. Well, t- if the fashion industry in America was very uptight at that point. Yeah. So therefore doing a nude when you were considered a fashion model was very taboo. I uh, cosmopolitan would hire me still. Yeah. Viva. Um, I did a Viva cover. I, I, I was able to do some kind of work in this country, but I was fired by Ford and was promptly picked up by Wilhelmina. Right. They were the two top agencies. Yeah. Wilhelmina had once been a Ford model. Oh, right. And then she defected. She yeah. died very young. She only died at 40 years old of lung cancer. Oh, wow. Well, I would sit with her in her office and she would chain smoke these long, skinny cigarettes. And she was the most beautiful woman in the world, Wilhelmina. Willie, as we called her. Uh-huh. And I remember going into her office and she said, well, you've posed nude. She says, we can fix that. We'll just send you to Europe. They don't care about nudity in Europe. (laughs) Yeah. So that's basically what happened. Yeah. I went to Milan, Paris, and London. And before I knew it, I was working for Vogue. I was working for Harper's. I was working for Revlon. I was working for Wella. I was Inoxa Cosmetics. I was doing all the high-end stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just did not care that I had done Playboy. Right. But American 
but America did. But once I got my portfolio cleaned up a little bit and came back to America and showed them all my work in Europe, it was sort of forgotten. But by that time, by the time um, John Casablanca from Elite wanted to sign me and did sign me briefly, I had already started to play music and I was not as interested in modeling anymore. And Rick Ocasek from the cars said, if you keep modeling, you're never going to be a musician. So you need to, you know, you need to do one or the other. And then in 80, he took me into the studio. Okay. That's when he made covers girl. Yes. And, and, um, 79, 80 Mm -hmm. and, uh, 79, John Casablanca offered me a contract with elite. And at that point I, I was, pretty sought after i probably could have turned my entire career around and i i i I just so these are the kind of choices that my poor mother (laughs) you know of course a mother would rather see her daughter on the cover of vogue than on the cover of hot wax right (laughs) so a hot wax at the time was um, a magazine that it was spelled wax like women in the military yeah yeah and they would feature women in rock you know right and um i remember doing the cover for that with fake tattoos, Marcia Resnick, somebody had painted my arms and w- back then women just didn't no. have had done that yet. Yeah, yeah. So everybody thought I had real tattoos. <laughs> you can probably Google that picture. Yeah. But, yeah. But, we'll post that with the episode, but it, it's, it's just interesting. Um, how, you know, you thought you had to make choices. Like I got offered all these music videos during yeah. that period too, uh-huh. but I turned them all down because <laughs> I didn't want to end up as you know, a video girl. Yeah, sure. And that's what happened to girls like Bobby Brown and those kind of girls. They were known strictly for the videos. Sure, Tony Katane. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then they had a really hard time when they tried to enter into society and have real lives. Right. Nobody would take them seriously because they had done all these videos. So that's when we used to be judged for every move we made. Right, right. So when I would be in a video with Broad Stewart or something, I would say, you can shoot any part of me but my face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. Smart. So people thought I was crazy. They thought that I, you know, was like, well, why don't you just own it that you're a groupie, you know? And I'd be like, because I'm not. I don't even know, wouldn't even know what to do, what's expected of what you think a groupie is. I wouldn't know what to do with a roadie except ask him directions. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I, 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 I just don't get it. I don't right. understand the cruelty that people have to lump everybody into this big pot. And also to denigrate you because you're a woman in this environment instead, right. uh, you know, like you're just uh, a like-minded person seeing yeah. a like-minded person. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But when you see me on stage, you don't get so much female energy. I, I 
emanate, I feel, I hope, I mean, I don't know what happens when I'm up there because I don't remember anything from the second I get on stage to the second I leave. Yeah. Some crazy thing comes over me. I have no memory. I have no idea how I can do some of the things I do with my body (laughs) or how I can leap 60 feet in the air still at my age. I'm still not sure how these things happen. Or swing the very heavy mic stand (laughs) around. Yeah, yeah, the mic stand. But but I I don't know. I'll be being really honest with you like that. There's no premeditation to my performances. They're... Stream of consciousness, they are immediate. I don't ever do the same thing twice. So therefore, I don't have recall. Mm -hmm. People will say, you remember that time you did that backflip? I'm like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I caught you. Thank you. (laughs) You It's It's not a choreographed thing that you uh, do in steps. But I don't feel, at least from people that see me, come to see me and what they from what they tell me. Well, yeah. I'm taking it from the perspective of people that enjoy my shows. I don't emanate like a real female energy. I sort of emanate, I hope, a sexless energy. I move like Jagger anyway. I don't, I'm not a, my moves come from being a little child standing in front of the mirror trying to dance like James Brown and Mick Jagger. Sure. And, Mm Trying to get those moves, you know, get, right. that was important to me. The feet, the foot, yeah. the foot action, yeah. you know, <laughs> that was very important to me. And yeah. I would stand for hours, be 12 right. years old, and I would want to get that. And I would play Paint It Black over and over again on my little stereo. Yeah. And I would just, so when people go, oh, you you have like a, you're, you're not really a singer, you're, you're a channeler. And I'm like, yeah, there you go. Sure. I'm a channeler. And it's something about rock and roll. What it's the spirit of the thing, and that's who I am. I yeah. mean, it's my DNA is just one big giant glob of rock. <laughs> so being on stage for me is heaven. Yeah, it's my happy place, and I try to get more done in two songs than most people get done in twelve. Yeah, and I I like to wear audiences out. I like to tire them out good and get them really pumped up and excited and happy. That that is where I get my joy. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping to see a full set sometime because that was the only time I've been able to yeah. see you, and but it was wonderful. I love locking in. I love, I love helping a crowd not be afraid to have fun. You know, yeah. you find they that so can be. Yeah, they definitely can they go, be. They can go so far away from then, the stage; it's awful. I make them come right up in my face, yeah. and, and and that is important. You, you, we have to learn to uninhibit ourselves. That's how we get sick. That's how we get cancer by building all this shit up in our bodies and not letting it out. Yeah, and also yeah. not doing the things that you want to do. Exactly. There yeah. you go. And following the heart. And and then I look at, I have other girlfriends that married well, or as they would say. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, she married well. <laughs> well, because they've married very rich men. But yeah. they have to tolerate their very rich husbands <laughs> cheating right. on them. Yeah. They're never home. Yeah. And all these girls can really do is go shopping, which they enjoy. And, and but... It, there's an emptiness and there I see the pain. Yeah. And then you get the girls that are sewn together at the hip with their spouse Uh and go literally everywhere and then wake up one day and they're in their forties and they've never had a life. Right. And they don't even know how to write a check. Yeah. They don't know how to manage a budget. They don't know how to take care of a house because they've never had to. They've been a rock wife or a superstar's wife for so long. Yeah. Um, that they have no reference. Right, right. Or sometimes maybe a sense of themselves either. It's, you know, I've seen it all basically. And I embrace and love all my sisters. I, whatever path they've chosen. Sure. I might not agree with all the 
avenues of choice. Right. But I think sex should be legal. I think drugs should be legal. I agree. Yeah. I think all of this stuff should be legal and made safe. Yeah, and then taxed. Exactly. We could fit, and I think hemp should be the new way we use how we make paper and how we do everything that's killing the environment. Just grow hemp. They said we could repair the entire ozone with hemp if everybody would plant some hemp in their yard. You saw a lot of uh, drug abuse in some of the models when you first entered the industry. I did. And some of them were the biggest. I mean, I remember this one model, Pola. Uh, She was one of the most beautiful. She OD'd and died and fell over on the the steam heater in her apartment. Oh, my God. And they found her four days later, and she was literally cooked. Oh, Oh, God. Boiled Pola. And I remember when that happened. Everybody just being horrified. Yeah. But when you look at models like Gia, and I'm not going to mention a couple of the other girls that were very well-known drug users because they're still alive and they're very different people now. Yeah. But there were other models that uh, would shoot up before shoots and have to have their track marks covered with makeup and would show up with dirty fingernails. I mean, when I was modeling, a lot of times, you, you know, in those days... Unless you were doing a big shoot for Vogue or something, we had to do our own makeup a lot of times. Your agent would say you must have clean nails and da 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 da. Sure. And it was because of some of these models uh-huh. that hair and makeup and nails and all that became almost. Uh, a requirement with each job. Sure, okay, right. Because these girls would literally show up, unshowered, yeah. filthy, right. plop down in the chair, pass out, and wake up ready to go. And people would just let that slide because right. they were making so much money for the for designers and the corporations and the products that they would let that slide. And was uh, also drug use in that industry kind of uh, tacitly encouraged because it kept people slim? Models in the 70s were not as skinny as they became. Right. Um, more athletic. I mean, look at Jerry Hall or Patty Hanson or me and sure. the girls that were were popular in yeah. that era. I remember going to a shoot one time with Scavulo uh-huh. and um, Janice Dickinson was at that shoot too. She was a really great model for the day, but Janice would run around with no underwear on and nobody did that in those days, except she did. She was a yeah. real free spirit. Yeah. But we would get to the shoots sometimes and the clothes most a lot of the girls, the seventies models had broad shoulders. Kim Alexis, you look sure. at look at these girls. They yeah. were built different. Right. They would just cut the clothes up the back and shoot you from the front or three quarter. Yeah. And that's how they remedied that. And women knew their angles. We were taught how to pose to make ourselves look skinnier than we were. It was fun taking a photo with you the other night because it was just like you like you were like just move that way like slightly to the left. Well, you you sat over there. You know, it you was great. You the light. You're yeah. like the light's right there. We're going there. You, yeah. you have to be careful because if you shoot wrong, you can you can make a baby look bad. <laughs> you know, a, a light, light. If it's not done right, can make anybody look bad. Yeah. You can make the most young, the youngest, most perfect person look like they have bags. Or, sure. Yeah. But the thing about um, the whole modeling phenomenon is every, everything, everybody let things slide if there was a lot of money coming in. Yeah. Now, would you say that it was the same with the rock industry? It, it was for a while. 
But I think now we're in the no tolerance zone because now anything goes and all the body, you know, the body image people are fighting. And we have our, we have these Ashley Graham girls and these beautiful women that are just like coming and going, you know what? Screw you. I want to go out and eat tonight. I'm not going to starve myself for a month for one photo shoot. And then it got really bad because then you get these girls like Twiggy or Kate Moss who I've eaten with, trust me, can eat, <laughs> can eat us all under the table. Yeah, Katie, oh my God, who I adore is another one I love. Uh, very misunderstood and uh-huh. gossiped about sure. incorrectly. She's, a, you're, she's very close to your daughter. Yes, yeah. and I've known her since she was 15. Wow. But um, these girls are built the way they are. It's genetic. The Hadid girls, I like them. Because they have healthy bodies. Yeah. They look gorgeous. They're healthy girls. They strut the health. And I think that's coming back again. I think people are fighting. Look at Paulina Porskova. She's becoming an advocate for women over 50. Yeah. And she's in Sports Illustrated flaunting her stuff. And 66-year-old Christy Brinkley. Yeah. I mean, this is what we need more of. And I feel like I'm making my statement that, no, I don't have to become like a singer, songwriter, singer, songy girl that sits there with just a piano right. and a dress. Why can't I keep rocking man style? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, just like Why the stones. Can't, you know, yeah. what I'd like to see happen is that somebody would shake this up a little. Remember Mrs. Miller? I don't think so. No. You're too young. When I was a young girl, there was this singer that came out, and she was an older woman. Her name was Mrs. Miller, mm-hmm. and she sang all the rock songs <laughs> in an opera way. It's hilarious, like yeah. downtown. You know, and it was just hilarious. It was like the remember the um, shags. That group? Oh, okay. oh, the shags. Yeah, oh, my yeah, God. yeah. They were so bad they were great. Yeah. yeah. But it was Mrs. Miller. She had massive hit. It's been a hard day's night. And I'm like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log. But when I get home to you, I find the thing that you do. It'll make me feel all right. Broke all the rules because she was an older woman. Grandmother. Right. But the persona of a grandmother. Yeah. I mean, Priscilla Presley was a grandmother when she was in her 30s. It didn't look like a grandmother. So that persona didn't carry. But I'm just saying that what I'd like to see now is for some more rules to be broken. It started in film. Now the older women are all getting the nominations now. and Yeah. And the women power shows. I'm loving all that. I yeah. saw that like Reese, Reese Witherspoon yeah. has her own production company mm-hmm. now yeah. for older women specifically. Well, for women that are not 12. Yeah. Yes. I right. mean, it's, yeah. it's I mean, great. now, I mean, it's upsetting. When I was a young girl, you were considered old once you hit 25. Now you, they let you go to at least 35. <laughs> yeah. And then if you haven't established yourself, it's a real battle. But then you see your Nicole Kidmans and your my daughter live. Yeah, these girls that are effortlessly taking their careers with the age. Yeah, you know people say I can't believe Liv's forty two. I would have never known that she's forty two. Yeah, well just do the math. She was yeah. born in seventy seven, <laughs> and and 
I, I'm very proud of her because yeah. she's carrying that torch. She's right. growing into her career yeah. mm-hmm. and taking roles that are challenging and doing accents and doing being in cast with all English people and her yeah. being the only American. I love that show, by the way. Harlots? It's so good. It's divine. Yeah. It's always Handmaid's Tale and then I watch Harlots. That, and her, her performance on Harlots is just, I'm so, I just can't believe it. To reach that deep. I don't know if you watched her in The Leftovers. I'm being a bragging mom. Oh, I, lo- I watched The Leftovers. She was great in that, I mean, too. that scene where she put the grenade on the bus with children. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, my daughter's <laughs> no spoilers. Scared. She genuinely scared me. <laughs> I turned to Jim and I said, is that my daughter? <laughs> I'm scared. You know, I called her up and said, honey, you're scaring me. And she, I'm sorry, mommy. I would, you know, I'd never, I, I, her chops have been honed. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm very proud of her. I, it's, it's like when Liv cries, you cry. I see her being an old woman as an actor and growing very gracefully into this career. Yeah. And I love that. Are we going way over our time? No, no. no. Are you kidding? No. I hope you're all right. I, I, I'm having a wonderful time. I, so yeah. I hope, hope that you we are can, too. I just don't want this to be edited to the death. Oh, no, no, I, no. I only edit like if someone has to sneeze or if uh, like I just edit just to uh, clean some stuff up. But everything's staying in. we're saying such important things right exactly. now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I, I don't know. We're on a roll. I think it's our ghost. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, ghost. Thank you, ghost, for just like being a kind of a cool Probably one. Probably yeah. a former sex worker. Yeah, I, I imagine. I mean, especially in this this area. Yeah. 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 I felt yeah. comfortable here. Represent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so um I'm excited about how we're progressing. Yes. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm still in my sixties because I wouldn't want this kind of progression to be happening when I was much older because I'd like to be able to travel with it some more. Sure. Yeah. Well, you can. You know, yeah. and, and take it. When I see Debbie Harry on stage at 73 years old, still blowing everybody's mind. Yeah. And you have Patti Smith, Stevie Nicks. There's still Chrissy Hine. Yeah. There's still some of the warriors out there and we've got to keep embracing them and we have to allow them to have hit records. Share. You're like one of the biggest Cher fans I know. I'm obsessed. Well, I love her too. I'm obsessed too. And yeah. I, I, I love her Twitter account. Oh, it's amazing. It's, she uses so many emojis. And, and, and she <laughs> speaks in her own language and her spelling yeah. has much to be desired. But I still <laughs> yeah. love it. Oh, I love it. that though. And she's unrepentant about it. She's like, no, no, no. That's what I do. So well, don't she even dropped out of school at 16 and she's very upfront up about that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and she's very, very honest and of course yeah. Cher had a, a big role in michael schmidt's career as well of because of did. the chainmail yes. uh, outfit that she saw in a store and she just called him up and, out of the blue mm-hmm. and yeah. he, he invented that yeah that's he right invented. he did and i you know so so i feel that's that what's happening right now yeah with women and shows like pretty little lies and all mm-hmm. these you know these shows and even sex in the city to a certain extent yeah. was one of the Break. At that moment, yeah, sure. definitely. was There's, one of the breakers. Yeah, yeah. Samantha, there wasn't really an older woman. I think we got to go no. further. Yeah. I want to see women in their 60s and 70s winning Grammys. Yeah. yeah. Winning them, yeah. not getting the special award <laughs> for surviving. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to yeah. see people on the charts because their music is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not because somebody bought their way in. Or right. The industry, the music, and I feel like, the, like you said, the film is getting there, but music is still kind of, it's, very, it's messy. It is. And, it's but confused. Now, but now that we're winning because of Dina Lapalt, the winning the war of getting paid for our music. Oh, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. Dina Lapalt, you can follow her on Instagram. 
Tell us a little bit about well, Dina. Well, I met her through Stephen because she also was one of Stephen's lawyers. But Dina was the big advocate and the torch carer for the big act that was passed for musicians to get paid better. Right. And, streaming. Yeah, and for all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and she... I, it's it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, now they they're even going to have to start paying us for YouTube and uh, right as they should. Yeah, yeah, especially when you go and see something one of mine that there's like forty thousand people have watched it, and I'm thinking, I bet you I don't get a cent. Yeah, <laughs> but now I might for yeah. stuff that I wrote. Right. You, know? right. you should. So I I'm just happy. I'm hoping that we can go even further. Yeah. As women and men, and as a species, yeah, and stop. well, and also with the fewer constraints on uh, gender specifics. Exactly, I shouldn't say just women no, but and see, men, that's but the thing. We're, all we're flavors, all, even the most progressive of us. It's a, a, a what's I guess a convention or something that's been with us for so long. The Indians and the Mayans all acknowledged five different types of people. Yeah, it's been acknowledged by enlightened spiritual societies. Sure. It's only us that think there's only two. And actually, that reminds me of something interesting, uh, rereading the book again, about the sexual dynamics of the 70s rock scene. Right. And um, also your relations with uh, relationships with with drag queens in the gay community. But first... I wouldn't be alive if it weren't for my queens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously. To start with the uh, sexual dynamics, interested when you said that in the book that a lot of the uh, rock guys wanted to know how the other rock guys were in bed and then how mick uh, would act differently around bowie mm -hmm. than he would when bowie was not in the room mm -hmm. and it was sort of this you know a very not slippery but a very fluid situation with a lot of people uh, you know bowie and mick though they had a connection yeah um and even though i never witnessed them having sex i think that's just a rumor sure I'll just be honest with you. I never knew either one of them to be bisexual. Uh -huh. So this is why when people nail me on this, but Angela Bowie said that he was, and I was like, yeah, but Angela Bowie and I are two very different people. True. And how we like to remember situations is very different. Yeah. You know, she may have seen that. I never did. I mean, I'm not saying that I wasn't invited to have sex uh, with them both, with others. <laughs> but I never accepted the invitation. I mean, it's so funny. You know, when I was just 21 years old, I would sometimes have to take my phone off the hook. This one, I had my little powder blue princess phone. Yeah. And I would be sleeping, and the phone would just keep ringing. <laughs> Jim knows these stories. He's like, <laughs> I mean, he knows them better than anybody. And back in those days, you didn't have answering machines and yeah. stuff. So if somebody kept relentlessly, baby, please come over. <laughs> we've got we've got the best. Well, we've got the best coke tonight. <laughs> the most beautiful black girls. And we're, we're just having such a good time. Something makes me think that this is a call from Mick. I, I don't know why. <laughs> the only thing we're missing is is our vanilla ice cream. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's like I would literally, I would literally have to take the phone and put it under a pillow because yeah. of the horrible noises your phone would make when yeah, you would sure. take it off the hook. And it would have to go woo, woo, woo for yeah. a, a long time before. But I'm not bragging. I'm just no, saying that saying, this is your yeah. life. Yeah, that, exactly. You know, it was, it, I would hang up the phone sometimes and laugh 
just because of how funny. First of all, just as my friend, I would think he was hysterical. Yeah. Because I knew he was winding me up and, being, and, and just being funny. Yeah. yeah. I just thought he was so funny. He was just one of the funniest people I've ever known. He also seemed in the book to be a very caring friend. Always. Mick is a good man. He's Don't let anybody... There's a lot of stories about him. I mean, he can, he's cutthroat and ruthless, too. There's both edges to yeah. this man. Well, people could be a lot of things. But you don't time. become yeah. that successful without the ability to cut a throat or two. So you have to, <laughs> you have to know when to tell people to fuck off. Yeah. And Fair to enough, stop yeah. bothering your shit. Yeah. You know I mean? And he is very good at that. Yeah. In a diplomatic, very English way. I don't know how he does it. But he does yeah. effortlessly. He's got he's got impeccable manners. Yeah. But I would hang up, and I remember to this day how it felt. I would lay back on my waterbed because uh-huh. <laughs> Todd would be off on the road. I'd usually be by myself with yeah. the dogs, and I and would a raccoon. Just, and I would just say, "I can't believe this! I just turned down Mick Jagger <laughs> and David Bowie, yeah. and God knows what gorgeous black person. <laughs> I just, you know what." crazy should i get dressed and get over there you know i would have these arguments with myself yeah i can imagine yeah you know and then i would sort of giggle and say wow what is it i mean why did they invite me you know i I would i would question why i was even invited really mick knew he knew i wasn't into the kink yeah sure that's what was so funny about yeah so i always wondered was it david asking him to invite me okay yeah because um I, I wasn't sure. And with David, you said in the book that you guys got along great, but the, the sex thing wasn't really We, we tried happening. one time, and it was just like we both just burst out laughing. It was just like, <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. And I'll just never forget it as long as I live. It's one of my favorite moments. He was like a little kid. He goes... Let's just play with makeup. And he sort of leapt up and he got that this big box of makeup that he had. Yeah, yeah. And we just sat there and played with eyeshadows and experiments with yeah. makeup and I mean that could be a sexual experience in itself. Well it exactly. was. Yeah. It was incredibly fun. Yeah. I learned so much. He learned so much from me about yeah. foundations and yeah. you know that that's life. You mm-hmm. know, we don't sex it, it isn't always about sex. No. Well, and I think that's more what I meant when I was talking about the sort of uh, queerness or fluidity of the people in that era. Because also you, if you were in that group or in that industry, mm-hmm. you sort of were allowed to pursue or investigate things that maybe if you were working a nine to five job, you wouldn't because, you know, if you're David Bowie, you have a lot more uh, license to well, it, experiment. You, you could, and in the early '70s in New York, the yeah. city was bankrupt. So you could have a townhouse with a fireplace and three bedrooms and a bathroom <laughs> and two bathrooms and a kitchen for six hundred dollars yeah. a month. I right. mean, yeah. just, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the first apartment I lived lived with Todd, and it was two hundred dollars a month on East Thirteenth Street. Yeah. So. And everybody helped each other. Okay. Yeah. If somebody didn't have any money, you could feed them. Plus, Mickey. At Max's, he would feed everybody. Yeah. So tell people a little bit about Max's because some listeners, you know, might not know. Well, I was going to bring up Max's because Max's Kansas City was the gathering ground, I guess you would call it. It was the back room. Yeah. I guess it started in the late 60s with that Warhol scene and all that. But I didn't come to New York till 72. Uh But my first experience with, with Max's was it was a very small. I mean, it was probably if you really... The size of this whole apartment. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. With tables, with red lights and yeah. booths. Yeah. 
And um, it was in the back. And there was a big phone booth here and a bathroom here. And then you would walk through, and that was the rest of the restaurant. Sure. And then you would go upstairs to see live music or oh, to okay. dance or to do all that. But the back room was sort of like a sanctuary. Yeah. And another thing that I miss about artistic real New York yeah. was that everybody hung out together in the arts. It was models, writers, yeah. photographers, poets, actresses, actors, stage actors. Um, it was uh, set designers, dress designers. Yeah. You know, I met... Um, Betsy Johnson and, sure. and, and um, Anna Sui and people like that. Mark Jacobs. I met them yeah. all, you know, hanging out. Right. Yeah. Not as a model. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody congregated and there was a camaraderie. Everybody wanted to help everybody get their goals. Sure. Met. And nobody really had to worry about uh, having money or not unless they wanted to buy a Warhol. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, Everybody took care of each other, uh-huh. and um, I was lucky. I lived with Todd, and and I was making you know pretty good money in the times I would model. I yeah. mean, it's a, a one good modeling job, the money could last me a few months. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's why I was able to fly myself places and buy myself cool clothes. Yeah. And plus, I was really into shopping and and making outfits out of lingerie. Uh huh. When we had when, when things were tight, or if I was on a budget, I would just go buy some camisoles, uh-huh. and some corsets, and things like that, and whip something up, whip it together, yeah. and have my drag queens teach me. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. is Max where you first met drag queens? Um, I well, I think that's when I first met people that I didn't know were drag queens. Oh, sure. When yeah, I first yeah. met. Lou Reed was dating this beautiful transsexual named Rachel that I had no idea. I thought was just a beautiful girl. I was not, my first two crushes were gay boys. And finally, Eugene Siefger, he had this beautiful blonde Dutch boy haircut and he was a hairdresser. Uh I had the biggest crush on him and I really wanted to date him. But he sat me down very sweetly (laughs) and said, you're missing a very important piece of equipment. (laughs) Should I explain this to you? So I'll be honest. I uh, did not understand. I could not, I didn't have gaydar as they say. Okay, sure. I got crushes on people and I didn't care if they were gay or straight. They would be them that would have to explain to me why I wasn't their cup of tea or or why I I wasn't going to be invited to this party yeah no bb i don't think you would enjoy the baths i i don't don't think you would have fun there yeah and i would be why but i want to come and unlike many of the guests on our show you're not a fan of poppers as we read i've read the book yeah No, and neither is my husband. We, somebody that will remain nameless, a very big rock star, yeah. tried to uh, court my husband one time with pop, <laughs> with poppers when he was young, young, young boy. Oh, have to no. get that name after the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, poppers, um, no, I, I don't like that feeling. Or the huffing Carbona. There's people that, that rug cleaner stuff too. Yeah, Carbona. I remember because the Ramon song. I was like, "What is this?" But then I but, think that was pre Google. I was just looking at a record. I, so I, I mean, never I'll looked never it up. I'll never forget Didi Ramon one time sitting in the corner at our. We were having a party at our house, and he was sitting there, and he had this rag, and he had this bottle in his. Yeah. And it, and I look. I said, "It said Carbona rug cleaner." I said, "Didi." He goes, "Oh, baby, it's fabulous. <laughs> you do it, and, and he goes, "Ee." 
I said, your brain goes, and that's fabulous. He goes, but you have to see what I mean. So I have got to admit, yeah. I one time huffed some Carbona. Well, look, you know, you could try things. Can you, I, yeah. can you say curious. no if you don't I know? I was curious. Yeah, and you heard it was fabulous. I mean, <laughs> and know. I heard it was fabulous. So I huffed the Carbona. I get the, <laughs> and suddenly there's nothing. It's just this void, and oh. you feel like, Wah. you know, uh-huh. that did not like it. Did not like it at all. And people did not realize that Didi Ramon, not only was he one of the smartest people, yeah. he was a brilliant songwriter. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And a brilliant stylist. But because of Carbona, and then later <laughs> other things, he would come off kind of dumb. You uh-huh, know, like sure. he would talk and you would think, oh, Didi, you know? Yeah. But Didi was brilliant. Yeah. And so I saw the things that made other people screwed up sure yeah and i didn't want to follow in the footsteps yeah and you saw a lot of that right i mean i didn't like the ugliness of heroin uh-huh. and the ritual everybody sitting around with the needles and the grossness and the blood and the ooh. And the obsession too right and it was it's just a, gross yeah yeah, yeah i was yeah. like that is not for me yeah that is too dark right yeah. right now roll a big fatty and <laughs> <laughs> whip me up an omelet with some good shrooms <laughs> that i'll do sure um Although not at this age, I won't be tripping. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That's for the youth. That's that's when the bra- that's when your brain is forming. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to trip and then get on Twitter. Ooh. That sounds like a party. Oh right? <laughs> well, sometimes I wonder what Trump's doing in the morning. Uh, yeah, right. Seriously, with yeah. some of those tweets, these yeah. five a.m. tweets. I'm like, dude, yeah. really? Uh, you know, it's like Ambien or McDonald's. What is this? What is know. this? I think it's I the McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, that's a McDonald's pretty McDonald's enema drug. is more yeah. like yeah. it. <laughs> but it's like. Oh my God. Oh my God. I hope my mother doesn't listen to this. <laughs> but um, anyway, you have to have that gene that makes you self-destructive because a lot of the m- people that I've watched die, they couldn't help it. Sure. They had a disease. Yeah. yeah. And it just, one thing led to another. Whereas with me, one thing did not lead to another. Yeah. One thing would lead to never again. In your book, you talk about how, for instance, like there was other people who could do drugs at times, but it wouldn't completely consume them like todd had an experimental time with coke or other people you know doing stuff but unlike for instance steven where it was just oh no he's got that wiring yeah he is an addict yeah so therefore you give him one of anything and then he wants all of it sure bring it all sure in his book he talked about how it was lunesta that Brought him but, down later after right. after sobriety. Which and of all the things, it seems so benign. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but over the counter drugs and these also some of these fancy herbal substances they're giving people now are very dangerous. Yeah, like that Bath and Body thing that we that we gave, gave you. you. Yeah. No, but, no, but, right. It's really bad. I won't. Yeah. I promise I won't it's snort it. A, I, it's bath salts. Okay, so. no, just rub it on the body yeah. and then just wait. Yeah. Oh wait, that, that oh, wait there's me. something else. Yeah, yeah, there's something else. There's something else for you. I didn't you. know if we'd save it for the end, but Let's since you brought it up now, well, we'll save it. Okay, okay, we'll save it. We'll save it. Ooh, the anticipation. Yeah. Ooh. But I just, I'm just saying that nothing makes me happier now than just the way I feel when I wake up in the morning. Sure. That, that innocence, that childlike. Like I have a rule. I will not drink a drop of alcohol or anything before I go on stage. Yeah. Because I love to go on the raw adrenaline. Yeah, exactly. That thing that we got when we were children. Right. Yeah. There's nothing like adrenaline. Yeah. To me, it's the sexiest drug there is. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
I get it's cheap a, too, by the way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cheap date. But um, I also get a little annoyed with the self righteousness of some of the people that are in recovery. Oh yeah, you know they preach, but yet they're chain smoking while they're preaching. Yeah, and they they think that's fine, whereas I think that nicotine yeah is a a drug and an addiction. Oh, it certainly is. Like I'm enjoying some right but now. Why, yeah. But yeah, but you're not smoking a cigarette. You're trying to wean yourself off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're making an effort. Have you ever been to an AA meeting? I have not. But I know that there's a lot of cigarette smoking. Oh, I have gone accompanied. I'll let those things name, remain Sure, named. various people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never needed treatment because when I don't want to do something, I just don't do it because mm-hmm. I'm not an addict. Yeah. But I have had many friends that are. Sure. And they've asked me to come to these meetings. Yeah. And I've gone and I've I've even gotten up in the middle of an AA meeting and given myself righteous rant uh-huh. about why is it okay for all of you to take prescribed pharmaceuticals and to chain smoke your asses off at yeah. every break. Mm-hmm. Please explain to me why that's okay and why smoking a joint isn't. And I mean, I had my... Asshole ripped <laughs> with the replies. Uh-huh. You would have thought that I had defected from the church or something. Right, and, right. Because there's no comparison between marijuana and nicotine. And I'm like, dude, yeah, you're wrong. Right. Nicotine will kill you. Marijuana will not. Nicotine's far more addictive. And they call it a gateway drug. And I'm like, it can be medicine. I mean, sometimes after gigs where they allowed, used to allow smoking. Oh, God, yeah. Every scrap of my clothing would have to be washed and in some cases just thrown away. Yeah. And my, uh, down to my underwear having to be smelling like nicotine, like cigarettes. Yeah. We were at a karaoke bar, at Santa's karaoke, yeah. which oh, yeah, is fabulous. So much fun. And uh, it was actually kind of charming to see people smoking indoors again until yeah. we got back and I uh, yeah. changed my shirt and I was like, oh, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. It gets into your. Oh, I mean, my hair, oh. like, I feel like I washed my hair that night because my rule is I will not go to bed with. Because right. that's going to get on the, my pillowcases right, and all right, that. Right. I, I washed my hair. And then in the morning, I was like, it still kind of smells. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and there was so, only light was, smoking going yeah, on Yeah, it wasn't too. that yeah. crazy. But I also, after that rant, I feel that people have to do what they have to do to get well. Well, that's yeah, true. Yeah, true. And, but what's the point of being sober if you're not going to stop all that bad shit? Yeah. Well, true, but then again, uh, so the Katya, the podcast partner, uh, is an inveterate smoker, knows it's bad, but I feel like sometimes it's that one thing that keeps people together, kind of, like, or at least for if them, they're and that's what they're thinking. Somebody yeah. I love very much described it to me one time as a warm and fuzzy f- feeling, a friend. A friend, right, like, yeah, yeah. Like a little moment of 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 clarity or connection and i'm yeah. like dude yeah. that's a cigarette yeah. <laughs> but then, and then i but then i have to say in their defense i have felt that way about a joint or two sure mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. uh i get it and also I, th- I think that there's a strange double standard in general with substances where alcohol is looked at as sort of benign mm-hmm. uh but any other drug you know like you talk to a hardcore drinker and you tell them about mushrooms and suddenly they're giving you a bunch of attitude and judgment but really booze is kind of as dangerous as anything. Well, alcohol yeah. will kill you a lot faster than a marijuana will. Yeah. Yes, it so, will. Uh, it, it's going to get your organs. It's going to get your brain. It's going to lead to dementia and sure. Alzheimer's and all kinds of Or it could of kill all. someone else if you're dry. Well, yeah. Yeah. So I enjoy an occasional cocktail. I'm not a big drinker. I don't like to drink every day of my life. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I think uh, overuse of anything is the, yeah, the big problem. Yeah, but I like yeah. moderation. And, and I, I, I just feel that. 
it's I feel bad for people that have the addictive gene. It's a it's a it's a burden. It's a curse you have to live with. It's like having any affliction. In addition to people uh, living with addiction, so you've had to like live with people who were dealing with addiction, which yeah. is something that people don't really hear enough about. And so what do you do when you're faced with that? There's boundaries and respect. Like I would never have a drink or smoke a joint in front of a friend of mine in recovery. Sure. Unless they were to that point. Now, some people I know have been in recovery for so long. They've been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. Never fallen off the wagon. Yeah. They can be around pot smoke and they can be around alcohol. Yeah. That they draw the line if people break out a rail. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna leave the room. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I yeah, have yeah. but I have many addict friends. Yeah. that coexist very comfortably around pot and alcohol. Right, but won't go beyond that. Sure. So it, the the key word with that is boundaries. Yeah, people have to know what their cutoff thing is. That's true. Some yeah. addicts stop and they just don't ever want to do it again yeah some addicts still feel tempted and some are triggered by and still yeah and still feel the temptation sure yeah and still have to be watched right and monitored uh-huh and then you have others that have gotten rid of everything else but they don't want to give up pot but they get shamed by AA because they don't want to give up the pot. Right, right. They've given up everything else. <laughs> right. Heroin, <Yeah>. coke, <laughs> alcohol, cigarettes. Yeah. And they just want to smoke a joint at 10 o'clock at night yeah. before they go to bed. Chill them out. And AA yeah. tells them, no, yeah. you're an addict. I'm sorry, but that's wrong to me. Yeah, I think so too. I think kind of whatever works for people, really. And I, yeah, I, I think that as long as you're not hurting others and you want to take care of yourself, but you're trying to be healthy, people have to lighten up. Yeah, right. It's too much judgment and too much thinking about other people's business and also too much shame because we we're talking about shame before as being a killer and there's a, a shame is really one of the worst things in the and world. These legal drugs, I'm sorry, they're, they're going to kill I mean, What's happening now with, um, what's that one, fentanyl? Fentanyl, yeah. They're yeah. cutting everything with that now. Yeah. I hear they're even soaking pot with it. Oh, God, yeah. So you have to be very careful. We live in a scary world right now. It's another reason why everything should, should be legal, because then it's regulated. Monitored and yeah. regulated, and you know you're getting purity and cl- yeah. cleanliness. That's, that's I finally had to do it with alcohol, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah the bathtub uh, elixirs. you could die yeah. from drinking yeah. some of that alcohol people would whip together. Yeah. Oh, I want to get back to uh, two things that we were talking about before. Mm. Uh, you said that without Queens, you wouldn't be here. Queens saved your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I remember when um, I met Candy Darling because she, she was in the hospital and somebody was coming to visit her uh-huh. and asked me if I wanted to, to come. I did not understand what it meant to be a man with a penis but that was a woman. Because to me, Candy Darling was a woman. Right. I didn't care what her body parts were. Yeah. But my Candy Darling um, story is extremely special, and it's one of my favorite stories. I'm excited to hear it. But uh, So I went to to meet her, and she was one of those people that would make sure she had a little lipstick on and when people were coming to visit her. She was sick, I guess because I was 18. And fearless and not understanding that there's a protocol with how far you go. <laughs> I simply just asked her, uh-huh. 
you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. How can you possibly have a penis? <laughs> I, I just asked her because I was curious. Yeah, you didn't know. And I mean, yeah. I, you're a child. Well, she just showed it to me. Uh-huh. And it was really a great penis. It was like <laughs> quite magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> quite normal. Yeah. You know, and I've seen pictures of Candy's penis. Yeah. And I just remember having an epiphany at that moment. And I said to myself, God makes us all different. Right. Some of us are both. Yeah. And that's when I became determined to have a penis without growing one. <laughs> <laughs> to, to A spiritual penis, to if you will. To strut my shit like a man if I felt like it. Yeah. But to still be a woman. I don't know how to explain how that epiphany came to me. Sure. I can only recreate and recount how I felt at that moment. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember barely knowing Candy Darling, but when Candy died, yeah. I swear to God, you could have committed me to an institution. I uh-huh. had never cried so hard in my life yeah. because of the profound effect she had on me yeah. as, as a person. Yeah. The overwhelming beauty that that woman had, uh-huh. uh, she was so beautiful. Yeah. It was very interesting, mm-hmm. the beauty. And I remember when I met Amanda Lear the yeah. first time, and everybody said that's not really a woman. It's, People always questioned Amanda's exactly, yeah, yeah. gender. But Amanda said, Trust me, I'm a chick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Showed me your beeves and everything. And, I'm like, you know? and David said to me, too, Trust me, darling, she's a woman. Yeah, I've investigated <laughs> you know? that. Yeah, that's yeah, right I, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> so we had those kind of people. The doors were finally opening, and and people were finally finding comfort. Yeah. And then the horrible plague came, yes. yeah, which changed everything. And the carefree, um, <laughs> I guess you would call it almost Romanesque <laughs> sanity that was New York. Yeah, it came to a halt, uh-huh. a, a fast halt. This did not just affect the gay community sure it affected everybody yeah. because lots of people had sex with both gay people and straight people in those days right so bisexuality i mean i my friend who died of aids um she got sick from a blood transfusion and her husband and her children did not get sick and she didn't know she was sick for a long time. Oh, wow. So I try to tell people that your ignorance is nuts. You're not going to get this from making out. You're not going to get this from any kind of contact. You're not yeah. going to. Or as some people thought uh, erroneously in the early 80s because all the confusion, a toilet yeah. seat or a yeah, drinking fountain. Yeah. I mean, it, with the ignorance was just horrible. And that's why I love Princess Diana because she was like, no, I'm going to kiss this baby. Yeah. I'm going to show you ignorant people. But I was very into that when my friends started getting sick. Uh-huh. I remember kissing my friend who had the big sores all over him. Yeah. And I gave him a nice big kiss and my friend was insanely mortified. And I looked at my friend and I said, you know what? I'm not going to get sick. Yeah. They need my love more than anybody I know right now. They right. need my kiss and my hug more than anyone. Yeah. You're stupid. Yeah. And I I fought hard. Yeah. I mean, in the early 80s, I was, you know, really, because my friends were all getting sick at the same time. And by 85, 86, 87, people were dropping like flies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I kind of felt it was important. Sure. For me to 
be an example. Yeah. And help people that were stupid. Once again, for more, and I mean a lot more, lots and lots of stuff and plenty of things, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Check out the reward tiers, see which one works for you, and then sign on up, slide on into the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club, and support this show. All right, love you all, and talk to you soon. <laughs>